0: I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is 5th Emission. No matter where you stand on the politics of San Francisco Mayor London Breed, there's one undeniable fact. Her election in 2018 was a crowning achievement. Breed became the first African-American woman to be elected mayor in San Francisco's history. On the campaign trail leading up to her election, Breed often shared the narrative of her challenging childhood. She was raised in poverty by her grandmother, and she spoke about growing up surrounded by drive-bys, prostitution, and drug dealing. A KTVU news report at the time marked the moment.
1: Amelia Ashley Ward has known Breed since she was a teenager and says Breed has shown the community what someone from humble beginnings can do.
0: Her sister uh, od her brother's in prison. She's watched other members of her community Uh, killed by gunfire, and she had to duck and dodge. Breed's brother being in prison has often been a footnote in the mayor's personal narrative. Napoleon Brown, who is two years older than Breed, has served more than two decades for involuntary manslaughter and armed robbery. As his sister has taken on a more tough-on-crime position recently, Brown's case has garnered increased public interest. But Breed has remained mostly mum about it. After the mayor appointed Brooke Jenkins to the DA's office following the recall of Chase Boudin, many speculated Could there be a conflict of interest if Jenkins were tasked with the decisions involving Breed's brother's case? Today on Fifth Admission, Chronicle crime reporter Megan Cassidy joins me to talk about the case of Napoleon Brown, the brother of Mayor Lyndon Breed. As his lawyer seeks a reduced sentence for his decades old crimes, how will the new DA navigate the case? And how does San Francisco politics and the push and pull of Breed's influence factor in? Megan Cassidy, great to have you here.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: So, Megan, Mayor London Breed's brother, Napoleon Brown, has spent more than two decades in prison for a 2,000 crime spree that resulted in the death of his girlfriend. Remind us the details of that case. What led to his girlfriend being killed? Yeah. So it was, by all
1: accounts, a pretty hectic night. Prosecutors said that Brown and a second man went into a Johnny Rockets diner in the marina late one night in June 2000. They robbed a staff at gunpoint and then in a getaway car fled over the Golden Gate Bridge. Initially, it was Lenti's White, who was Brown's girlfriend at the time. She's a 25-year-old mother of two. She was the one that was driving the getaway car. But while they were on the bridge, the getaway car, which is a white Ford Escort, pulled over into a coned-off buffer lane, and Lenti's White somehow came out of the vehicle. She either fell from or she was pushed from the vehicle. And there's some debate over what exactly happened next. But ultimately, what we do know is that Lindy's White was struck by a drunk driver and she was killed.
0: And was the car being pursued by police at that time? Was that why that drive on the Golden Gate Bridge was so hectic? Exactly right. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: they, they were being pursued by police and police actually got out of the car and made their way to White just before she got struck. One of the more damning pieces of evidence, actually, against Brown is that before she died, that Lenti's wife told police that somebody named, quote, S.B. had thrown her out of the vehicle. And Breed's brother, Napoleon Brown, uh, he was known to go by Sonny Boy. So
0: that was the connection there. Mm. So that was really ultimately what implicated him in the crimes, that he was named by the woman who was killed. Uh, yes, al- allegedly, yes. So these crimes were committed 18 years before Brown's sister, London Breed, was sworn in as mayor of San Francisco. She's been pretty careful to not publicly discuss her brother's case in great detail, but how has she advocated on his behalf?
1: Most of the time, Breed doesn't comment directly on the case. She'll say through a spokesperson that she loves her brother, she supports him, but, you know, the, the most well-established example of her advocacy him was in 2018, and she asked then Governor Jerry Brown to commute her brother's sentence. She also, several years earlier during his trial, provided him with an alibi, saying that she remembered him being home on the night of the crime, now that she said you know, she was somewhat fuzzy in her recollection. She knew that he was home at some point, couldn't say the times, but it is a testament to Breed's history of uh, defending her brother. And uh, although later, when Bree did write to Governor Brown, she acknowledged that her brother's actions had led him to where he is now. So really acknowledging that, yes, my brother did do the things that he isn't convicted of.
0: So it seems like Breed has tried to be transparent about how she feels about the case. Have any serious conflicts of interest been raised when it comes to her brother's case? What have ethics experts said about Brown even asking the former governor for her brother's release?
1: Obviously, that is going to be a matter of great public interest and scrutiny. The letter to the governor raised questions about whether Breed was attempting to use her position of authority to influence his decision, which would be improper if, if not a violation of her state or city law. And part of the reason this particular letter came under scrutiny is because Breed used personal stationery to write it. And it stated that she was mayor on it. She said in the body of the letter that she was the mayor. But Political and ethics experts have largely agreed that she didn't violate any laws, that as a citizen, she is entitled to advocate for her brother.
0: So on the other hand, has Napoleon Brown's connection to his sister, has that been a disadvantage for him? Politics are obviously involved. What has that meant for Brown's legal team as they've asked for resentencing or a shortened prison term over these past few years? I guess I think that that's debatable. I think that his
1: attorney would probably say that it has been a disadvantage for him because it's going to be a case of high public interest. And every prosecutor who is on it is going to need to consider what the public's perception is going to be and what their relationship with the mayor is going to be. And so I think that, you know, he's not going to be getting any sort of under-the-table deals. But that being said, I don't think that Mayor Breed's connection has been a huge advantage or a disadvantage. Something of high public interest, and all the T's are going to be crossed
0: and I's dotted, I guess I'll say. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to
1: you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
0: Fast forward to this year, 2022, former San Francisco District Attorney Chase Boudin is recalled, At this point, the mayor, we know, has taken a moderate stance on crime. She's advocated for more policing, tougher on crime positions. We now know, of course, that Breed appointed recall spokesperson Brooke Jenkins to the DA seat, and she aligns with Breed's positions on crime. How has Jenkins had to navigate the mayor's brother's case, which, as you just said, has a lot of high public interest?
1: Jenkins, from the get-go, I think, knew that this is going to be something that If she took the case, there was going to be at least the optics of a conflict of interest, given that Breed appointed her. She stated from the beginning she doesn't want those optics. And so she asked for the state attorney general to take the case from them and to prosecute it instead of local prosecutors. But really, that's just not how the attorney general works. They declined to take the case, and they said that just the optics of a conflict of interest. Uh, it doesn't really meet the standard for when the AG's office will take a case away from a local prosecutor. And so that, that's what they said, is that Jenkins can erect what they've termed as a, quote, ethical wall around the case, meaning that the lead prosecutor on it, and in this case, it's assist, Assistant District Attorney Anna Gonzalez, she will not consult with Jenkins at all about the case, and Jenkins has no say in the prosecutorial decisions around it.
0: And has District Attorney Brooke Jenkins reiterated this, that even though the case is being prosecuted by her office, she won't be directly involved in it?
1: Right. She has no, yes, she has no involvement in it.
0: So currently, there are new state laws that could make Breed's brother eligible for a shortened prison term. What are these new laws?
1: Right. So the the most important one here is this reform statute that limits the use of what's known as the felony murder rule. And so to, to back up, and give some context, the felony murder rule means that an individual who is committing a serious crime can be charged with murder if somebody dies while that crime is being committed, even if you're not the actual killer. So say you and a friend are robbing a bank, your friend shoots and kills the teller, Because of the felony murder rule, you could also be charged with that murder alongside the shooter, even though you weren't the one that pulled the trigger. So with this new reform law, which took effect in 2019, this limits whether that accomplice can be charged in a murder. And so even though Napoleon Brown is officially convicted for manslaughter, his attorney says that his case should qualify for resentencing since he was initially charged using the felony murder rule, but also because he was not the actual person who killed her. So technically, this would be the person who was driving the car. His attorney has also said that, you know, questioned the idea of whether she was actually pushed out by him and stresses that if she was pushed out, that it was in a closed off lane where you can't really expect for traffic to come. And so- That is really kind of the battle at hand right now. But then if he does get resentenced based on felony murder rule, he still is serving convictions for uh, armed robbery and carjacking. But the attorney said that there is a whole host of other California reform laws that could apply to his client.
0: And these new reform laws, is this part of the state's effort to reduce the prison population, which has been a goal of California for some time now? That is correct, yes. Okay, so now that Breed appointee Brooke Jenkins is the new DA of San Francisco, what position has her administration taken on the case of the mayor's brother?
1: So they are claiming that Brown is the actual killer. The analogy that Prosecutor Anna Gonzalez made on Monday in court was, if you push somebody in front of a moving train, it's not the train conductor's fault that you died it is still the person who pushed you. And she's saying that, too, in this case, that prosecutors believe that Napoleon Brown threw Linti's white out of the car and she was then struck by oncoming traffic.
0: How does this position differ from what Chase Boudin's administration said? So Chase Boudin's administration
1: actually also was pushing back on resentencing. But Brown's attorney said that they were essentially ready to concede that he was at least eligible for resentencing, but they weren't ready to say what the new sentence would be. And now, according to Zilversmith, it appears that the prosecutors are going to argue
0: that he isn't eligible for resentencing at all. So... Now, why does Brown's defense attorney think that District Attorney Brooke Jenkins is biased against Brown's resentencing, even though she was appointed by his sister, the mayor? We've been talking about how the conflict of interest could work the other way. What are they arguing now?
1: So that is, I guess, reverse conflict of interest is the argument that. Brown's attorney, uh, Mark Silverstein is arguing. It's a bit counterintuitive, but if you know San Francisco politics, it makes sense. What Silversmith said is that because Brooke Jenkins is working so hard to prove that she is not indebted to or beholden to Mayor London Breed, she's going to go extra hard on this case to prove a point to the public to say, I am independent from the mayor's office. I am tough on crime. Nobody owns me. So this argument by Mark Silversmith, Brown's attorney, was only brought up on Monday after it seemed like it was pretty much clear that the San Francisco district attorney's office was still going to be handling the case. So what happens now is Mark Zillersmith, the defense attorney, he's going to be filing a motion to recuse and he is going to make all these arguments in writing and a judge in uh, December is going to consider these arguments and whether to move the case elsewhere.
0: Well, Megan, a complicated case for sure. Thank you so much for explaining to me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Megan Cassidy is a crime reporter with The Chronicle. Her coverage of Napoleon Brown's case is online at sfchronicle.com and on the Chronicle app. Thank you to King Kaufman for the edits and to you for listening.